0: Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. Well, welcome back to All Things. This is episode number 93, and so far on this season, we've been looking at issues related to our pace of life and our pace of work, and how most of us and most of our kids are overscheduled and underrested. We've talked about how valuable work is, even in God-ordained and how God-honoring our work is, but also the truth that we are finite and limited human beings and we need to be pursuing rest, both rest in Christ spiritually in our identity, but also physical rest for these bodies of ours these are the things that often get bumped to the bottom of our busy to-do lists. We all agree that rest is good, and yet few of us are getting enough rest. So that is the topic. That's kind of the theme of the last few episodes. That's where we're going to camp out for one more episode today. Um, I just want to share with you that before the pandemic, research shows that American workers only took about 54% of their paid time off days. I don't know if that's you, but um, I, I can't imagine only taking half of our days off? What are we doing? Why are we not pursuing the time off, the paid time off we've been allotted by our employers? Um, And maybe you already know this, the American Academy of Sleep and Medicine says that adults ages 18 to 60 need at least seven hours of sleep a night and that one third of us aren't getting that. So one out of three adults is not getting sufficient sleep um, on a regular basis. As a people, we are clearly averse to getting the rest we need. Well, if you've been listening to all things for a while, then you know a couple things about my family. One is that this past summer we took an extended sabbatical, which was a huge blessing, just an absolute gift of grace from God. Um, and we had some time to experience rest this summer. Another thing about my family is that we carve out, especially my husband and I work hard to carve out one day off a week. Now it's tricky being a couple. We're both in full-time ministry. So that means inevitably we usually work all weekend long, um, but of course, we have daughters who go to school all week long. And so we've had to really ebb and flow and tweak how we take time off. But at the, in this season of life, Mark and I have carved out what we call our Sabbath or our day of rest, our day off on Thursdays. So on this episode of All Things, I want to talk about Sabbath and Sabbath rest. And I invited Mark, my husband, who's a pastor, to join me in this conversation. Um, when we returned from sabbatical last month, Mark actually preached a brief series at our church entitled mark So he's really been soaking in these themes of um, God's good gift of rest and his call on us to rest. And I know many of you are wrestling with these issues as you've reached out to me over social media, DMs or emails. You've asked me, what does rest look like? What does the Bible say about this? How can I integrate rest into my life? How can we be pursuing this as a people? So that's what we're going to dive into. And I want to welcome my husband, Mark. Thanks, Babe, for joining me in the closet for this special episode. We're in here with our uh, microphone on the hamper. We are surrounded by our clothing. It's the sound booth of the Ashwin household. So thanks for being with me.
1: Wow. Well, thanks for having me. I I didn't think you would give all that away, but I appreciate (laughs) to be on the show today.
0: These people know this is high tech and this, this is often where I have to record. Okay, well, let's start with this. You're a pastor. You have theological training and a lot of experience, which I'm so thankful for. Would you help us understand what does the Bible say about Sabbath? What's, this is a biblical idea. Where does it come from? And how are we supposed to be observing it now?
1: Yeah. Um, I think something that you often say is that flourishing, our flourishing is tied to living in light of reality. and. So that's the same thing with our, our bodies. So when we look at the beginning of the story and out of darkness and chaos, God begins to create the universe and in Genesis chapter one, we just, we see this rhythm for the first six days. It was evening, it was morning, first day, second day, six. and then um, at, at the end of that, he creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve and says something very significant that we are created in his image to reflect and display the glory of God. And so that's really significant. Uh, into chapter two, before there's any sin or anything in the world, we're also reminded that we are created from the dust. So we are limited. So we we, we aren't God. We reflect God, but we aren't God. And so uh, there is this tension of having glory and limits. Um, but it really is just something that we should embrace uh, in terms of how God made us. Now, on the seventh day, we're told that God rested. And of course, uh, in Hebrew, seven is a, is a term for completeness and wholeness. Uh, so out of darkness and chaos, by the seventh day comes uh, completeness and wholeness. And we should stop and ask the question, why does he rest uh, on the seventh day? And of course, when we ask those questions, we recognize it wasn't any need in him, uh, but uh, really just a pattern that he's going to set up for the rest of of the Bible. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into that now, but I can. <laughs>
0: Whatever you think we need to hear.
1: Okay. Well, uh, so he rests on the seventh day, not because he needs to. He's unlimited in power, authority, all those things. Um, but it sets up this pattern for us. First of all, he invites us to be sons and daughters, kings and queens of the rest day. So mm-hmm. the first day that Adam and Eve... Live, they're living in a day of rest. And this was kind of a picture of what God's desire and will is. Of course, sin enters into the world, brokenness, chaos, and it no longer becomes a resting for us. And yet, this pattern of resting uh, continues to get played out in the Bible. So, by the time uh, the end of Genesis closes down, the people of God are in Israel. They're about to be enslaved for 400 years. Again, it's chaos and darkness. And God leads them out of the chaos, chaos and darkness. And one of the very first things He has them do is to observe the Sabbath. To stop. Um, to even though the full rest hasn't been restored, we they were called to be a people that reflect a day is coming when we will be once again kings and queens of the rest. And so there's all these ways throughout Scripture where uh, not only just one one day a week but uh, every seven years the land was to rest mm-hmm. uh, every year there were seven kind of festivals that mm-hmm. prefigure our rest in in him um, and then we roll into the New Testament and on the Sabbath day Jesus comes and un- unfurls the scroll of Isaiah and says this is uh, this is fulfilled in me this will th- th- I, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor which is Uh, Again, a pre-picture of the rest that Jesus is ultimately bringing. And uh, we go through that and and we see like, oh, maybe even Jesus hasn't fulfilled this because he dies. And in fact, on the Sabbath day, he's in the tomb. Um, But then on the first day of the week, uh, Jesus conquers death in the grave and is raised by the Father. And again, it's this picture that Jesus has a new creation coming, a new pattern. And for the rest of the New Testament, we see, and even in Jesus's teaching, that our ultimate rest is found in him. So uh, we see that in Matthew, he says, come to me all who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. And so uh, the the commandment to rest no longer becomes something about keeping the law or our own righteousness before God. Jesus reminds us that the command was, was always given for our benefit, that, that man uh, wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And so Biblically speaking, theologically speaking, our rest is ultimately rooted in Christ and uh, by faith we rest all the time. But now we have just the wisdom of the rest, the wisdom of our creation, and it's a get to rather than a have to. And so that's kind of the invitation now for followers of Jesus.
0: Okay, so what I think happens a lot of times, even in my own thinking about rest, is I think of the command to observe the Sabbath as one, you know, one or two short lines in the Old Testament. But what I hear you saying is it's all over the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So this is not some um, historical command that's no longer relevant, but it's a pattern of living that we see throughout both Testaments. Why? Yeah, can you just unpack that a little bit more for us? Why do we... Why why is our thinking like that? Why do we relegate this to um, some minutia in the Old Testament when it's actually everywhere?
1: Yeah, it, it is everywhere. And I think one of the reasons we uh, we resist, well, there are several reasons, culturally and otherwise, but biblically we resist because in the Gospels, we always see Jesus having conflict with the Pharisees who were pursuing righteousness through uh, a legalistic view of the Sabbath. And Jesus is constantly pushing back on that, constantly saying, no, oh, it's it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. And again, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. And so I think there's just this idea of like, well, we, we're not under that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. And in, in doing that, we even kind of miss the whole original purpose of the law. The law is good. Like you read the Psalms and they are delighting in the law. It's not like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. And so Jesus is just restoring the goodness of the law and having fulfilled the legal requirements of the law, all we get is the goodness of the law now. And so uh it's not about our self-righteousness, it's about again living in congruence with the way he created us.
0: Do you feel that tension? I I love how you said um it's no longer a have to, it's a get-to. Um and you've said that, you know, to me before as well. Um I certainly resist the sabbath um at times it has become a discipline for me to really embrace rest do you feel that tension um did you used to have you kind of overcome that is it a regular tension for you the get to versus have to sense of resting
1: sure i mean i think we don't really understand the the biblical view of rest so we might have days off um and then we just pack them with things maybe that we like to do. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the New Testament, part of that's okay, that's fine. But it is still missing the intentionality of pausing, reflecting, worshiping, resting, enjoying a day. So I I think what I've learned over sabbatical, I think you're getting into that, but just in, in books and meditation about this whole thing is that there are there are things that um, are restorative to my mind, my body, and my soul. And uh, for many years and many times, I, I take days off, but it, it's not restorative because it's not purposeful entering into the rest that Christ has purchased for us.
0: Wow. Okay. So that does open up another can of worms that I would love to talk about a little bit more. Um, but what, what I hear you saying is that God's good gift of rest to us is not simply a day off. It's not just that maybe our calendar would be open, or at least maybe I should say our professional calendar would be open. Because as you say, we tend to fill our days off with other things. I mean, sometimes our days off are super busy because we're doing other things that maybe we enjoy, um, but are not necessarily restful or restorative, as you said. So, I mean, ideally what would, I guess for each person, maybe it looks different, but what are the kinds of things we should pursue on a day of rest? Unpack that a little bit more. Cause I feel like this is so foreign for our way of life. So what are, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned we're in ministry, so it's a little bit different because we're, we're working on a, um, a day that is off for a lot of people. Um, but biblically speaking, there is an intentional turning back to God, um, and an intentional worship and meditation and, um, even recognizing not individually, but corporately, or as a family of God saying you've, you've purchased everything. So I think for most people that looks like corporate worship, um, that is just mindful that we get to worship, um, We get to set aside just the the hectic frenzy of life and enter into that. Um, And then in terms of, like, rest that's restorative, let me give you just some examples that, that aren't. Like, there are certain activities like endlessly scrolling Facebook or going on news and just going on Twitter. Just things that aren't work, like, and my mind wants to just keep going down these rabbit holes. But when I come to the end of that time, there's no... There's no There's no new energy, there's mm-hmm. no new uh, breath of air. Um, so th- those are the kind of things like that can just be uh, kind of really sapping to the soul.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So um, activities that maybe don't require our concentration or even a lot of effort, but they have not actually refreshed you. They don't restore your soul at the end of it. Right. Okay, so um, because we have freedom in Christ, because we are made new by him we have the gift of setting aside a day a week where we can pursue activities that do restore our souls is what I, what I'm getting from you is it um, in other words, you know, when I take my day off with you, um, it shouldn't be just a time for me to rest my body and my mind, but also an opportunity to renew my mind, to turn towards God, to remember what he's like, to meditate on his word or soak in worship music or do some activities that, help me to remember his character Mm -hmm. and his goodness to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, for us, that often will look like getting back out to creation and remembering that creation is good. And it's just different walking in the mountains than it is Mm -hmm. um, even watching a TV show on Netflix. That's not bad. It's just not there's not a net positive on some of those things so i think just intentional and then throughout church history some some have said and i think they're right like if you if you labor with your mind you rest with your hands and so you um if you're in an office all day maybe you go and and find some really good restorative work when you are actively in the presence of God and in the garden or mm-hmm. and if you work with your hands you rest with your mind and so you kind of slow down the body and you're actively engaging the presence of God um, with just maybe some some reading or some meditation on who God is for you
0: yeah that's good um professionally speaking for you as a pastor you know you work basically 6 days a week what do your rhythms of rest look like professionally like how do you s- stop yourself and say, now it's time to rest, whether that's daily or weekly or what are some things that you do?
1: Yeah. And specifically in terms of rest, I think one of the problems with COVID and the massive move home, I mean, we were already working from home already, but, um, the, we just see a trend of people just working nonstop because they're always home. Therefore, they're always at work. So I think it takes intentionality on a daily to, um, to stop work, at a certain time to be intentional about going to bed at a certain time, uh, waking up, uh, at a certain time, like just that rhythm and, um, knowing that I start work at this time, I stop work at this time. So daily it looks like that, uh, professionally. Yeah. We take Thursdays off. And, um, again, in that we are trying to be intentional with each other and mindful of God's presence. And so we're still reading the Bible. We're still thinking through those things. Um, Yeah, I think that starts to...
0: Yeah, for sure. It's hard. I mean, what you said is our offices are at home, like many of our listeners, you know, um, and there's always more work to do. There's just never, I'm never going to reach the bottom of my to-do list. There's always going to be a chance for me to do a little bit more women's ministry, a little bit more writing, a little bit more reading and studying. Um, So for me, you know, and I know this has been your experience as well, but it really has been a discipline to trust that the work i 've put in today is enough, and i i I am not going to somehow improve um, myself or my work if I just keep going, but just to r- literally rest figuratively and spiritually um, physically and spiritually, yeah. and just close the laptop, close the office door, and say "Enough is enough for today. Right. Um, one thing that I want to share that I've been doing the last couple weeks, this is brand new, so not necessarily tried and tested, but so far I'm I'm really loving it. Um, and maybe this would help us a listener, but working from home, especially when you're alone in your office, there's like very little accountability. (laughs) So I can, um, I can allow my mind to wander and I can scroll social media or I can go check the news or I can check out, you know, for a half hour or more, um, without even realizing it. And so um, our family does something With money that I've decided to translate to time. So we keep a pretty strict family budget and we have um, a place where we document, where we spend every dime. And that's been really helpful because at the end of the month, we can look back and go, where'd we spend all our money? Oh, well, right here. I know exactly where we spent all our money. So I've actually been doing that with my work days. And for me, for my personality, just how I'm created, that's been so helpful. I've been literally writing down how I spent my time, seven to 8 a.m., 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., 9am to 10am and seeing where my time goes. And that practice of documenting it, for one, keeps me on task because I want to look back at that, that list and go, you know, look at that. I did not spend endless hours scrolling on social media. I actually spent some good hours working, but also it helps me look at it and go, yeah, I, I did already put in eight to nine good hours of work today. I can and should stop. Um, And if I don't document it, then I think, well, I better keep going, uh, maybe because I did waste time earlier in the day, or because I just feel like it's not enough. I didn't get enough done. I need to keep going. And so I'm very tempted to work into the evening or to work on my Thursday. Um, So I don't know if that helps anybody listening, but keeping a log of how I spend my time has kept me accountable and made me feel more free at the end of the day to close the laptop, close the office door and rest. For sure. Um, do you have other, any like tips and tricks that you would recommend along those lines? I mean, some things that you have integrated into your life yeah. to help you pursue rest?
1: Well, yes. Um, I think just taking advantage of some of the techn technological margin that is out there now, I will say this, the, the technological world and social media and our devices, they're literally designed by multi-billion-dollar companies to keep us addicted to them. So there's a lot of force mm. <laughs> working against us. So it, it, it feels a little bit disingenuous to just say be more disciplined, given the culture of distraction that is just built. Mm. Um, and yet, uh, I don't want to use that as an excuse to not. So we try. I, I've I've blocked out um, many. Many blocks of focus on my computer and my phone, so I'm not getting. Notifi- I turn off all notifications. I'm not getting any um, texts. I miss a lot of texts. I, I'm not. I don't know when my emails are coming in. Um, so that gives me focus, one to work, but it also gives me focus to uh, rest. So I'm not checking my phone at night. I'm not constantly um, just scrolling because I would fill those those downtimes with just random scrolling. And again, it wasn't restorative to me, Uh, but now I find myself just throughout the day, finding moments of rest. Instead of going to my phone, I'm taking the dog out to throw the ball with her, or I'm reading a book or just walking in the garden and checking things out. And those have been helpful practices for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been, both of us have really been paying a lot more attention to our screen time. Um, I have, uh, multiple venues of accountability for how I use my screen time. I'm letting friends look at my screen time at the end of the day and see where, what I did with my phone that day. I'm texting people saying, "Hey, I'm gonna not check my email or my texts or my socials for the next four hours. I'm gonna work deeply," and they hold me accountable to it. But um, I think that we have been able to, with God's help and the accountability of each other and other people, um, remove some of that distracted life-sucking time. And replace it with times of rest, which has been really good, yeah, but again, it requires a discipline, you know it's a deciding to leave the phone in the other room, not letting your phone be next to your bed, deciding at ten pm that we're going to go ahead and go to bed. you know those things were um, that we just do we feel in our flesh that pull to keep working, to keep producing, um, but we're not built like that we, we, we're built to need rest, and so we've had to make that happen and, and sometimes it's painful,
1: yeah I would say. The opposite is also true. It was interesting when we were in France this summer, and we we heard a message that was from a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. And culturally, there they they take a lot of time off, mm-hmm. and their their <laughs> week work hours during the week are much less than Americans. And on one the one hand, we're like, "Wow, that's good and it's healthy." But this pastor was exhorting his congregation to say, "Actually, the Lord did make us to work for okay. six days." and mm-hmm. We're we're not to be slothful, so that's just an interesting cultural thing. um, To that we can air on both sides here. There there's a rhythm of work and a rhythm of rest that we we need to reinstate for our good and our flourishing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think sometimes I think I'm working, but I'm actually just participating in distracted things, you know. And so just restoring those hours to actual work and actual rest, and um, getting rid of the the extra fluff. Okay, let's talk. Um, we're gonna we're wrapping it up here, but let's talk briefly about how we're pursuing rest as a family. So we've got teen daughters. We have four daughters total, but two are still at home. One can drive, the other one loves to be driven by the one who can drive. I mean, they are busy, they are in activities, um, they have active social lives, we have active social lives, we're involved at church, obviously, we have big families. I mean, there's so many things vying for our attention. So, um, Can you tell the listeners just a few things we do as a family to make sure we're getting rest?
1: Sure. Um, I think we still prioritize our meals together. Yeah. Um, And again, this is where I think Europeans are doing it better than us, where Mm. they're not not afraid to have a two, three, four hour meal. And and we don't do that every night. But uh, where we can, at least four or five times a week, we're sitting down at the dinner table and... That just provides opportunity to speak into that. We, we try to uh, shepherd our kids to, uh, to sleep more because, mm. as your studies would show, they need even more sleep than we do. Uh, they obviously resist that, but we try to do that um, and, and just kind of build a model for them, a rest. And then we ask our kids, and, and this works about 80% of the times, we ask our kids to have your homework done on Saturday so that you're not doing any work on Sunday. So that's our that's our small little shot at that I think. Yeah. I probably missed some things. Ago. No, I
0: think one other thing I would add is we we um really try to keep our kids in only one activity at a time, which is really countercultural in this moment in America, but um just one activity like you can be in theater right now or a sport or a choir, but um more than one and things that our schedules just get so full. So um, I do. I think these decisions to live in rest and to live with margin, they are counter to our culture and they are counter to our flesh. Um, they do require discipline and I think they require faith and trust that the Lord um, will provide and that we will be fine <laughs> if we don't continue pressing and burning the candle at both ends. Um, well, I think that about sums it up. Is there anything else you would add? Anything, any other plugs for rest or Sabbath or sabbatical?
1: I would just come back to the fact that Jesus is our rest and he is ready and available to uh, rest in him, to take our burden uh, and, and lay it at his feet. And he says, he'll give, give us his yoke and it'll be light and easy. Um, but it is his yoke. He is the Lord. And so, um, yeah, I, Jesus is our, our, our Sabbath rest. So don't forget that.
0: Mm, I love that. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to all things with Jen Oshman and Mark this time, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.